What's up, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the Philly Blitz Pod. Playoff week, finally got an opponent. I'm Parth. I'm here with Pierre Quell and our very own Coach T. Um, we're here to talk a little bit of playoff ball, and then be sure to stay on uh, after this podcast uh, for a nice little pod with JP Acosta from SB Nation. We talked some Eagles, talked some Jags, and uh, talked about this matchup as well. But without further ado... Let's get into it, boys. How y'all doing today? I'm doing good, man. Doing good, man. Excited for Saturday, bro. Very excited. Yeah, man. I'm 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 real excited. Finally been waiting what now two weeks now to watch our birds. So I'm looking forward to that. And I'm pretty sure the NFL did the Giants dirty, allowing this game to happen at 8.15 on a Saturday. <laughs> You know, Philly fans are going to be starting tailgating like Friday night. So, <laughs> lots are filled already. It is a glorious day in Philadelphia. Well, below a dub dub, I am my only one and only Mark Lilfrip Owen. And as you guys said, we have an opponent. It's some guys from up north. North. Ain't that how they say it out there? North. Yeah. <laughs> like. All, all I know is they don't say it like we do. That's all I know. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, Daniel Jones coming off a, I cannot lie, spectacular football game. Daniel exactly. Jones looked good. He looked really freaking good. That said, Daniel Jones is coming off a game where he played against the 31st ranked passing defense in all the football and now ranked plays against a team that ranks first. Philadelphia, how are we feeling? I think well, we should be feeling good, man. I honestly do, man. You know, you look at what was it, week fourteen when they played them? Mm-hmm. The Eagles They're were healthy. Healthy. yeah. The Eagles were healthy. Giants, from what I remember, were they were, were relatively healthy from what I remember. Saquon was banged up. Yeah, okay. Yeah. okay. But even still, man, they defeated them forty eight to twenty two. I'll throw the last week of the season out of the window. That doesn't that game doesn't really matter that much to me. But you know, they beat the they beat the uh, the Vikings in the wild card round. You know, the Vikings all year, you know, they've been, how you say it, Parth, on fraud watch. <laughs> so, yeah, so I don't, I'm not worried about it, me personally. I agree. I agree. I mean, Guell's right. Daniel Jones just played the best game probably of his life. You know, of his career. I mean, of his career. Like, I mean, biggest stage that he's ever played on. And, and he showed up, man. And, and a lot, and a lot of it is, is his work and, a ton of it is also having Brian Dabble around. I mean, we we talked about it at the beginning of the season about how, you know, having a guy like Brian Dabble in the uh, in the locker room and, and in the coaching staff would help Daniel. I mean, be able to see what he could what he could do and and what he was capable of. And and you know, we were able to see it in this last game. He had like 300 yards passing, 78 yards rushing. I mean, he was all over the place. But like you said, Quo, he played. The 32nd, 31st ranked defense, a defense, a team that has been on fraud watch all year, a team in which their quarterback on fourth and eight threw a check down. My God. Thank you for just fulfilling my agenda, Kirk. Like you're just, you're, you're paying me pretty much. But I mean, I don't think the Eagles have to be worried. We got 
all these guys coming back. And uh, I think we're going to get into the injury report in a second. But if the Eagles are at full strength or at 21 of 22 day one starters, that's a, that's a really good place to be in. And I think we can get this thing clicking on all cylinders. But with that, um, injury report-wise, uh, Pierre, it was uh, for the Giants, it's, uh, it's Aziz Ojolari, right? And yeah, then he's questionable. He's questionable. And he's second right. on the team? For second, yeah. second, yeah, second I mean, in sacks with 5.5 for them. So he's yeah. <laughs> hey, don't do that, coach. Aziz Ojolari is a good football player. Jesus, can you stop it over there? All right. Hey, what you tell me? I leave you the quarterbacks. You leave me the lineman. Aziz Ojolari is a good football player. <laughs> Bro, he's a stand up. He's a stand up edge rusher. All right. Listen, New York got a lot of things going wrong for him right now. They gonna be good really soon, and Aziz is gonna be part of the solution. They do have two good. They they do have two good defensive ends. But then, Pierre, is it is it anyone else on the Giants? Oh, nah, that's it for the Giants. Um, right. then for the Eagles, it's also a very bare uh, injury report. It's just Devontae Maddox was ruled out. Yeah, Lane and- Johnson is off of the injury report. Exactly, there is yeah. no Lane Johnson. Exactly, Jalen hurts. No, but neither of them are on there. And uh, I was reading on Twitter. Uh, forget who it was now, but they were just talking about how during practice Lane was lifting up – sorry, I don't remember all the details, but Lane was lifting up some D lineman who was 320 pounds in practice when they were going – I think it was Josh Sills. It was Josh? All right, yeah. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if it was Josh. Yeah, okay. So I, it was Josh. Uh, Tolentino, right? I think that's the right? I think he put the tweet out, but I know the lineman was Josh Stills. <laughs> oh, it was Josh. We're both. That's hilarious. Yeah, it was Josh Stills. But, yeah, Josh Stills, 320, and Lane was Lane was moving him, and that's what you want to hear. He hopped on the Pat McAfee show earlier, kind of got on the media, which was kind of funny, but he was like, I got out of the uh, MRI, and they're talking about – there's already tweets out that I, that, I tore my, that I tore my core. The injury the whole time has been in his groin. <clears throat> so – that's pretty important for a uh, for, for for a right tackle. You know, you use your groin a good amount when you're pass setting or when you're run blocking. And so, uh, seeing him getting back to full strength is massive. Like Quell said, I use my groin a lot every day. <laughs> Come on, coach. Yeah, yeah, I like to think we all do, coach. So to see the awesome back in that and healthy is phenomenal. Push through it, Quell. <laughs> great, great, great verbiage. Oh, Push through it. <laughs> Back on track, fellas. Yeah. Right. Game face. But yeah, um, having having them back is huge. And then Avante is still on the injury report, and 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 that sucks. Hopefully, we can get him back next round. But then, of course, Jalen, fully off the injury report. And I wanted to get your guys' opinion on this while we're talking about it. Sirianni, his whole Eagles career, has been super into gamesmanship, right? Like, he's not going to tell you anything straight. Like there Gamesmanship? Were... What do you mean? Are you serious? Not with him eating pizza before the game. Oh, come uh, on. It's pizza Hut pizza. Pizza I got Hut pizza Hut stuff yesterday. Stuff the stuff crust. Stuff crust. My dad was like, this is advertising. It worked right on you. And I was like, I wanted stuffed crust pizza, man. Like, I don't know what to tell you. And it was delicious. Nick Sirianni knows pizza. 
But him and that toilet were on a first name basis after that pizza <laughs> went down there too. So. He was watching film on his phone. Right. That's but saying. Uh, <laughs> the point is, is in uh, in in all these uh, press conferences that he has, he's never been forthcoming about an injury. It's always like, oh, you know, we're hoping to get him back soon, or you know, we'll figure it out when we get there. But with Jalen they went on about how Jalen played through pain and all this type of thing. Would they have, you know, played him, ran with him? Done, I know I know the beginning of the game, you know, Jalen looked a little bit skittish for sure, but it felt like as the game went on and as, as it kind of got like, all right, we need to win this, Jalen was more willing to run it. And so it kind of it, it kind of makes me question, like, I'm not, I'm not saying he's not injured, but is he back to 100%, but they're trying to play up? We don't know what he's like. He's not injured. He's hurt. Mm-hmm. Come on, man. That's you know the that. difference, right? Oh, he ain't yeah. injured. He's hurt. He's and hurt that's why and he's, still, he's definitely right. still hurting. I mean, the thing that got me, and it kind of like to your point, Parth, was all year and even last year, like there was no like information whatsoever about injuries. Like he, they wouldn't put anything out. But then all of a sudden, they like wouldn't. Like they had like vomit of the mouth when it came to Jalen Hurts' injury. And it's like, this just doesn't make sense why you're talking so much about this right now. And why you're like he's giving information about it that like a lot of a lot of coaches don't really do. So to me, immediately that just struck as gamesmanship. And then when I saw Jalen actually like run a quarterback sneak in the in the middle of the game, right? You know, coming back, I'm like, all right, like this dude's fine. You know, he he he's fine in terms of the fact that he can go out there and play. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And he's not injured. He's hurt. And he's going to be hurt the rest of the playoffs. You know, it's just there's that that fine line, that difference. Everybody's hurt right now. Yeah. It's just everybody in the media wants to make it a big deal because it's on his right shoulder and he's a right-handed quarterback and that's what he throws with. So they automatically think like, oh, my gosh, is he going to be able to throw the football? Well, yeah, duh dummy he's going to be able to throw the football because the injury that he has doesn't affect his ability to throw the football it affects it if he gets hit there or if he lands on it wrong that's when the injury you know the him the pain is going to start mm-hmm. affecting him in a negative way not when he just throws the football yeah like that's why i can't i can't even watch like media and stuff like that talk about this anymore because i my skin crawls when i hear it and I think I think that's because of the way it was initially reported or covered as a shoulder injury and in people's minds initially goes go right. to like you said, you know, he's a right handed or yeah, right handed quarterback. You know, he, he throws the ball with his right hand. So his shoulder is gonna impact him. So No, yeah. And it makes sense. It makes sense, you know, but I don't know. It's and and Sirianni definitely fed into that. As soon as he saw it, he totally fed into it, and he's like, "All right, yeah, they think it's going to be an issue." Okay, well, <laughs> right. I'm, I'm gonna make that. them think it is an issue when right. it might it probably really isn't as much of an issue as everybody's making it out to be. Mm-hmm. The only issue I see going on is that everybody is trying to act like it's 2007. And the New York Giants are in the midst of a Super Bowl run with obviously one of the best defensive lines in football, probably the best offensive line in football, a quarterback with the last name that is probably the most historic in football. Like, come on, man. Give me a break. 
Jazz like what three five and one in their last nine games? Two five and one. They were two five and one in the second half of the year, right? I don't know, but that don't equal nine. They started off seven and two. That's I know. I know in their last ten, they're three six and one. How many wins do they have? We're three five and one. How many wins do they have? I don't know, Coach, but I'm they have nine. if he just said in their last 10, they're 3-6-1. and one. They have nine. <laughs> <laughs> so, the like, since they started off 7-2, and two, they went 2-5-1. and one. What does but I say seven in their last plus two equals nine? All right. Pu- public school failed all of us, all right? So, let's just move on now. What the hell? You said 2 plus 5 plus 1 equals what? <laughs> Is what I mean. Public school system Dude, failed. This well. is not a math podcast. This is the football podcast. There's a reason it we're not math well. majors. Hey, football <laughs> failed anything. I mean, hey, no, nothing failed anything. You, that math don't make sense, <laughs> bro. What the hell is seven plus two equal? I don't know where the hell you three. Bro, move on. Next topic. Next topic. Next topic. Next topic. All right. So we talked about Jalen. Um, let's talk a little bit more about Daniel Jones, right? So we we talked about how he's had one of the well, he had the best performance of his career. He's had the best season of his career as well, right? With Dabble. So, you know, when we're when we're looking at it, how do you guys think? Jonathan Gannon's defense is going to fare uh, is going to fare against Daniel, right? Like he has the ability to run the ball. We've seen that. Um, he's, you know, tall and dorky looking, but but the dude has wheels. It doesn't exactly make sense, but my god, dude, he he was like at twenty miles per hour on that on that one where he of course stumbled and didn't score the touchdown. But he was like one of the fastest players last year um, when he when he was running against us. But last game it was obvious. You know, a lot of people have said it um, that. He didn't have his first read. It was just get out of the pocket and go. And so, you know, we've we've struggled with running quarterbacks. Our team is a little bit smaller, and Daniel Jones is a bigger dude. How do you guys think we fare against Daniel both running the ball and passing the ball? I don't think they really run Saquon. I mean, Daniel much. I think it's more Saquon than anything. Saquon is probably going to be the problem child that we have to worry about. Mm-hmm. But in terms of Daniel, I mean, I think it's probably more how good is the Eagles defense playing and does Daniel Jones have to run because things are broken down instead of a... Like call design runs? Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, definitely, like, making sure that we are aware of his ability to extend plays and run when things break down, you know, they definitely have to make sure that they keep that in the back of their mind. You know, we can't just vacate the middle of the field with our linebackers dropping into zones because we are going to be playing with multiple safeties on the field, right? So that deep middle of the field, the majority of the time, unless they roll coverage is going to be open. So we just got to make sure that our backers don't vacate that middle area of the field, because if he sees that we've seen Jalen do it numerous times this year and, you know, mm-hmm. smart quarterbacks do this is if they get the snap and they see that the middle of the field vacates and they find a lane, why sit in the pocket? 
and have to go through all those for just take the easy yards that the defense is giving you right at the middle by vacating that middle part of the field and then you just get down right so they have to make sure that they're constantly aware of that the main thing that i'm worried about is in the in the past game what did they do to the vikings that really kind of hurt the vikings throughout that game it was underneath routes, right? So so those routes that were pretty much like seven yards and under, crossing routes, you know, slant routes, those out routes, any kind of rub routes, flat routes, arrows, things like that, get the ball out of his hands quick, right? And and force the defense to come up and play football and make tackles and and be efficient with their tackling. And the one thing with the Eagles is their defense, and we've talked about this before throughout the year, is – they're okay with letting you catch five yard passes and coming up and rallying and, and, and tackling. Right. But the problem is with the Brian Dable style offense and Mike Kafka offense is they're okay. If you give them three, four yards for two plays, cause they'll take being in third and short with Saquon Barkley in the backfield. And that's what they did against the Vikings. And then when they have their shots and their times to take shots, that's when they take those shots. They're not going to be many of them, but they'll take them here and there. But they're going to lull you to sleep like Tom Brady used to do with the Patriots, thinking and dunking, thinking and dunking, taking the easy stuff. And they're going to make you stop long drives. Like I think their goal on Saturday against the Eagles is to sustain long drives, whether they score touchdowns or, or kick field goals, right? I'm pretty sure throughout the entire week, Brian Dable is going to Daniel Jones and he's saying, Every offensive series needs to end with a kick, whether we punt the ball or we kick a field goal. That's what it has to end with. Just don't turn the ball over, and we got to stay on the field as an offense. We have to stay on the field. We have to sustain drives, like pick up at minimum two first downs every drive. Keep that defense on the field. Make them play football for the entire game. I think that's, that's the one thing that worries me. Yeah, I mean it's what the it's what's happened in all of our losses when we've had a I mean the 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 loss that we've had when we've had a fully healthy team is that you know we just we 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 don't stay on it throughout the game so I mean I don't know it's it's it'll be interesting to see but that's that that was that was my issue with everything as well is that you know you can let them dink and dunk but this whole defensive plan was made for a quarterback like Mahomes right it's supposed to stop this big play. But if the team's not looking for the big play and they're just looking for the underneath, we saw Derek Carr lit us up last year. Like the dude got benched this year. He lit us up last year. Just like he had like an above 90% completion rate. Like multiple quarterbacks had that. And that's what worries me about this defense. And that's why we talk about it a little bit later with JP, but we can't see a stagnant defense. We need to see, you know, switches in in how they're in in how they're covering things. And then Along with that, not not just in in zone versus man, but then up front, can't it, it, we just cannot have the predictability that we have with our fronts? It's just everyone knows it, and and it's just like we can't really do anything about it either. And that's what that's what really makes me nervous is that they see the five man front, they're like we're going to pass the ball. They see the four man front, they're like we're going to run the ball. And it's just you know you got to find a way to to hide tendency and 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 I don't I know, like man, because I think? know. I know personally when I think about games like the Tennessee game, the team did a phenomenal job in four man front stopping the run against a guy like Derrick Henry. So they've shown that they can stop the run in four man fronts. 
I feel as if the key to this football game will be to force Daniel Jones to hold on to the ball a moment longer than he wants to. Mm-hmm. You're not necessarily trying to get the sacks. It'll be nice to get the sacks and all that. But I think the key to this football game will be confusing Daniel Jones. Like, showing him one thing pre-snap, evolving post-snap. And I think a lot of that will be based on – I mean, me and Pierre have talked about this earlier and often over the last few weeks, but having C.J. Gardner-Johnson back, hearing that he's been taking reps at the slot and at the uh, free safety for positions, it is great to hear. So I feel like there there are things to – I feel like Jonathan Gannon has a plan in place where we probably will see more – uh, the same amount of quarters defense as we're used to, but I think it's going to be in a position of we're going to take away what you like to go to. We're going to take like I think they'd be perfectly fine with Saquon Barkley picking up full five yards on a check down because they know the Giants want to run the ball and they feel confident in their run defense, whether it's in a four man or five man front. And I'm not saying that would be the case against San Francisco or a team like that, but they've proven in games that they will be confident in their four-man front stopping the run. And I think the Giants game will be one of them games, especially given the fact that Evan Neal hasn't played his best ball. I mean, he's been a solid run blocker. But outside of Evan Neal and Andrew Thomas, there ain't nothing to harp over about these this Giants offensive line. So the only thing so, I would push back there is you're saying that Gannon would plan to take away what they want, but and we play quarters, but the type of the way that we play quarters is – he's going to have what he wants. You know what I mean? He wants the quick game and he can have the quick game in the way that we're playing defense. If we're just worried about the big, if we're just worried about big plays and they're going to keep taking slants, you know what I mean? Like, okay, you can, you can let him just throw it to Saquon or whatever and hope, but then that's also hoping that Kaiser tackles Saquon one-on-one, which, I mean, we, we've seen Kaiser has not exactly played his best ball the last couple of weeks. So, I mean, well, just, I'll have to see what the Eagles quarter concepts are. I told you guys before. Okay, so that means they they play match, right? No, so it's like a it's like a soft two that transitions okay. to four depending on the depth of the routes. Okay. So they just play like seven yards off, but it's cover two unless everybody goes vertical past seven yards. Then it oh, transitions yeah. to four. Yeah, but I think so it's an umbrella coverage. Mm-hmm. No, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. But I think, you know, like you guys have alluded to, I really think this is going to be like a game that's really dependent upon the matchup. You know, like you guys have said, a lot of what the Giants like to do is the short passing game, drags, slants, things of that nature. And, you know, with Jonathan Gannon, you know, like you said, part of his defensive philosophy is to not allow the big play. But I think, you know, as a defensive coordinator, you calling this game in the playoffs, you know, you're going to have to hone in on what the team you're facing does best and try to take that away versus doing what, you know, is your philosophy. You can't get stuck in philosophy. That's my, that's my main thing. You got to be, especially in the playoffs, you have to be flexible. I mean, our, well, we talk about it too. It's the other side of it, right? Like our our biggest issue with Jim Schwartz is that he was so rigid in in how he did things. Right. And you're right. I don't, you know, sometimes I say I miss Jim Schwartz, but I don't miss that. I don't miss a rigidity, but what I want to see is flexibility in a coaching staff. I want to see guys who, like we do on offense, like it seems like we scheme up stuff for the specific teams that we're playing. Meanwhile, on defense, it's like we're playing the same defense no matter who we're playing. And so then 
we see these decent, we have Dak Prescott go perfect against zone coverage, whether or not you want to, you know, say that it's zone or not. You know, I know there's like a lot of debate about that. That was zone. That was zone. Right. So he was like 24, 24. Right. And and then when we were playing man, he was like five of 12 or something. Right. And so these things like you, you just, you have to keep the team's tendencies in mind and call plays based on that. I think Pierre said it best. You really have to coach for the team you're playing, not coach for, you know, the, so, the defense and the scheme doesn't that make you feel better for lack of a better term that i mean it's not like we'll be facing some type of upper echelon quarterback until the super bowl should we face one of those afc elites mm-hmm. but jonathan gannon has been really fucking good against these half-ass quarterbacks basically watch the language watch yeah. the language it's a family yeah. show yeah, really? he's been really freaking good <laughs> against some of these half-assed quarterbacks <laughs> lately. Just because you had and the at the end of it doesn't make it any better. <laughs> look, half-ass ain't bad. <laughs> it's effing. Nah, I, I agree. I agree with that. I agree with that. So no, playing against I, a guy I, like I, Daniel Jones, or even, even, even if we took it up a notch, and I mean, I know I, over the past few weeks, I've said my soapbox about Jonathan Gannon being matched up against Kyle Shanahan and things of that nature. But, I mean, all we have is our resume. And on Jonathan Gannon's resume, there isn't an average quarterback that made him look bad. Was Derek Carr, though? Like, I'm, I'm curious. This like, year. Are we this year? That's okay, he went, as long as he's had yeah. his personnel, yeah, okay. because you could talk about last year all you want. No, yeah, that, that's, fair. Who no that's fair. Who. That's fair. But when I'm just talking to guys, guys he hasn't looked bad. I mean, you could look, you could talk about Dak and all that. I, I mean, at that point, it's if you want to have the conversation of where you rank Dak in the top quarterbacks. But based on common knowledge, he's looked good against a bunch of guys that we've we all can clearly declare as not that good basically Mm -hmm. so you sit here and you understand you got a matchup matchups against daniel jones and brock purdy coming up why do you guys feel so unconfident in jonathan gannon watch yourself with the purdy talk all right because purdy is not good because of what we just talked about quell i watched the last game and i watched them beat the vikings off of slants and crossers and that's something that our defense has had trouble with and uh, fine. Some of it is because, you know, we might be missing guys. We might be, we might have injuries and that definitely hurts on the communication end of things. But slants and crossers is something that I've watched the Eagles lose to multiple times in the last two years. And sure, last year we didn't have all the players, but the scheme was the same. And what I've seen in the scheme is that it struggles with these types of things with Darius Slayton almost at a touchdown, right? Like, I mean, he, he, he fully dropped it, but those are the types of things that break open in this type of, in, in this type of like shells defense. And that's why I just, that's what worries me about it. It's not necessarily Daniel Jones. Brian Dabble, I think, is like a is a little evil genius out there, you know, figuring this thing out, making all these projects work out. But I mean, I don't know. I'd be lying to you if I said that. You know, I'm not. I'm not worried. I'm not tremor. I'm not sh- like trembling. You know, in my shoes or anything like that. But I'd be lying to you if there wasn't part of me that was like, oh, good God, I hope Jonathan Gannon doesn't mess this up. You're a oh, Negadelphian. Yeah. Oh, I am. I say, we, we watch Jonathan Gannon. The glass is half empty. <laughs> with a healthy team, and they beat this team by multiple scores. So, 
Listen, what? listen, guys, guys. They also didn't have their leader our players at the end of the day. Our Ooh. players are better than their yeah. players. That's, that's what it should come down to. That's what it like, should come down to. I just don't want team to get in but, the way of that. But man, but is where you see that, right? That's how playoff games are decided ninety percent of the time. Like, that's yeah. just how it is. Come playoff time, the team. If you if you're pretty much even when it comes to coaching, which in my mind, they're pretty much even. Because I think the Giants have really good coaches. I really think that they do. Yeah. And I think the Eagles have really good coaches. But guess what? Our roster and our players are better across the board than their players. Like, you you can't expect Hodgins, I think his name is, on the Giants, yeah, to, to do what hey, he's doing. Hey. Hashtag not Watch good. It. Watch it. Watch he's it. just not right. gonna do it. Best he's just, best just call not, he's, not, he's not hashtag not good, bro. I say he might not be amazing. He's not bad. He's oh not, hashtag goodness. not good. That's wild, bro. That's wild, brother. Hashtag not good. It is easy to be the best receiver on a team with nobody getting volume. You are the one getting volume. But guess what? Like, he's still producing, isn't he? Somebody yeah, got to produce. Produced he didn't have to produce eighteen balls. He's been there. He's been there for like six weeks, and he's their leading receiver. But he's hashtag not I good. The leading no. receiver bro. too. If all bro, they bro, did give was me some. the ball, I'm blocking bro, it. Bro, give me some. Give me some. Give me no, some. It's blocked, bro. It's blocked. Like work with the damn camera angles, Quell. <laughs> the hell? I, don't know. I did all this work trying to figure this thing out. Yeah, people can't hear that on the podcast. But anyways, you're right, Coach. At the end of the day, it should be talent that takes over everything. So, let me ask you guys what 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 are matchups to watch? Like offensively. My guy to watch, Dallas Goddard. He should eat in this game. Yep. Linebackers in this game are struggling. Did they got Jalen Smith. TJ Hawkinson did last week. That's what I was about to say. TJ Hawkinson had 10 receptions for 129 yards. And I think Dallas yeah, Goddard is. He's a dude, though. He is. Like, but I think Dallas dude, Goddard is just as good, if not. Oh, no, like, obviously, right. yeah. But I'm just saying, like, TJ Hawkinson's yeah. a very, very, very good football player, too. Absolutely. And you also got to think, too, the Giants were focused on taking away the best receiver in football this year. You think they don't mm-hmm. want to take away A.J. Brown? Well, yeah, oh, that's exactly. my, that's my thing. Like, I don't think it's just Goddard. Like, I think Goddard, I think Smitty, I think A.J. Like, I think mm-hmm. there are so many players. Like, the matchups for the Eagles offensively, like, there is no – so I almost said a bad word. There is no matchups. <laughs> There's no matchups because we have like four or five guys that could just take a game over on the mm-hmm. offensive side of the ball. And we're not like the Vikings where we have one stud and then another really good player and then a running back that we just don't use for whatever reason. Like the Vikings, right? The we Vikings just didn't, they just didn't want to use a dynamic Dalvin Cook. Like, hey, we'll just keep you on the – we'll just save you for next week that we're not going to play in, right? That's not what we're going to do. We have Miles Sanders. We have Jalen Hurts. We have Dallas Goddard. We have A.J. Brown. We have Devontae Smith. Like, we have numerous weapons. So, offensively, I'm not even worried about our offense against their defense. All right? What I'm curious to watch is what we do with Saquon. Like, that. that's that's the biggest thing. What do we do with Saquon? Because – if if we would lose this game and Daniel Jones is the reason why we lose this game, you know what? Hats off to you, dude. Great job. Yeah. Great job. If Saquon beats us, I'm gonna be pissed. Mm-hmm. Cause there's no reason you should let that happen. You should never let Saquon Barkley beat you. 
because he's the only thing that they have offensively. Mm-hmm. Right? So make, make Daniel Jones beat you. Make Daniel Jones repeat what he did last week. That's what I want to see. That's the matchup I want to see. Honestly, yeah, I've been I've been saying it all week to anybody I've talked to about the game. I legitimately cannot see Daniel Jones walking into Lincoln Financial Field and beating this Philadelphia Eagles defense. I, I just can't see it. And like you said, if he does, hey, hats off to him. Yeah. Look, I agree with everything last two you guys said. All I'm saying is You don't agree with you, Parth. This is the Look, you ain't have to say that. <laughs> the, the, the listeners could have figured that out themselves. But oh, all I'm saying is, if Popo don't get more than 21 carries, I'm going to be upset. For those, those of you guys who don't know who Popo is, Popo is Miles Sanders. Because anybody that only gets 12 carries is Popo. <laughs> like, give him the ball. What are we doing? We yeah, have to it's give like, Miles Sanders the ball, brother. The Giants aren't good. Another hashtag not good in terms of stopping the run. And I'm not understanding what happened with Minnesota, where you have a guy like Dalvin Cook in the backfield. And I understand. Justin Jefferson, that's your offense. That's the end-all, be-all. That's how you get things done. They came into the season saying they wanted Justin Jefferson to replicate everything that Cooper Cup did for the Rams last year. And he surely did that. Because when you watched the Rams last year, it was, well, if Cooper Cup ain't open, what the hell are they all going to do? And that's what it felt like watching them. But you got to get your playmakers to ball, man. If Miles Sanders, our double-digit scoring running back, our 1,000-yard running back who's on a contract year, has more than proven that, hey, these are one of them games where you can give me the ball and I can carry you. This doesn't have to be harder than it has to be. Like, the Eagles can get up 14, 17, something like that, playing quality defense and just scoring the ball when they have the ball. And then giving the ball to the running backs and say, hey, sit on them. Take the game away. The game is finished. And they should be successful. The question is, would a play call and allow that to be the case, which is something that has been concerning me over the last few weeks. Yeah, and then it's like, especially, well, this is one last point, especially when you consider, you know, like we talked about at the beginning, you know, Jalen and, you know, the injury that he's dealing with, you know, it makes sense that you, you know, want to lean on your running back. You'd want to lean on your 1,000-yard rusher. It's just, we'll see how everything goes in that aspect, man. But we're going to win. Well, I'm glad you said that, man, because we've come to the portion of the podcast where I need you guys to give me scores. I need you guys to give me predictions, and I need a betting prop. What we betting on, gang? Okay. I'll go first. I'm going to say birds, 31, 3120 birds. Um, As far as a, a betting prop, mm, Say Devontae Smith's receptions. Yes, that sounds like money right there. That's something that is cash. Take the over a little while. What, what you guys thinking? Parth. I'm going to say Eagles 31, Giants 21. 
And then betting prop, you guys know where I want to go, but I don't know if I can do it in the playoffs. Do it again. Do it again. I've been Fox saying Scott it TV, all. baby. Foster Scott TV. Wink is yes. talking smack. Sir. Come get some. Giant killer. Come get some, Wink. Yes, Bro. sir. That's my prop. I'm the one that did that last time. So you can't and get I on it. We are one. We are a team. Man. We are a family like a giant <laughs> tree. <laughs> all right. So maybe it's just a little too confident here, but I got the birds. I got the birds. Let's go 40. Ooh. 40 to 9. Jesus Ooh. Christ. I got birds 40 to 9. I don't know how the hell they're going to get 40, but they're getting 40. Party at they're putting wait. a 40 burger on them, and they're only giving up three field goals. That's Party it. at wait. That's Party it. At the lane, bro. It's hard to top deck, y'all. And you want to know why? Because I'm taking the over on the total for the game, which right now is at 48 and a half. So he took 49 at 40 to nine. That is crazy. <laughs> Gotta not? respect it. Why Gotta not? respect it. Man, listen, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to wake up. Crap, I can't wake up late on Sunday because I got trainings on Sunday morning. Because <laughs> I was going to say, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to go out partying Saturday night, enjoying <laughs> it. And I'm going to wake up late Sunday morning. I'm going to make sure my kid don't wake me up. But I forgot I got trainings that I got to do with some kids Sunday morning. It's all right. Grind never stops. Ever. Oh, man, it's going to be hard to top that. I'm going to say birds. 30, 17. I think if I had to go to a betting prop, I'm not even going to lie to y'all. This has been my one and only all year long. I drafted Jalen Hurst to be my leader on my fantasy team. Jalen Hurst led me all the way to a Super Bowl, and I can promise you if he didn't get hurt, I would have won. Jalen Hurts, I told my wife every single season and anybody else who would listen, the betting prop every single week, as long as it's not an Eagles bye week, is Jalen Hurts anytime touchdown. Jalen Hurts is supposed to be hurt. Jalen Hurts ain't on the injury report, y'all. Jalen Hurts is healthy, and so is Lane Johnson. If you think the Eagles can't get to the one-yard line and run quarterback sneak, then I got to talk to you, and you need help. Put the prop in. Jalen Hurts, anytime touchdown. County. Book it. Let's let's go. Go Birds, baby. We're excited. We're excited for Saturday. Um, But uh, I think we've covered everything that we had in our itinerary for the Eagles-Giants preview portion of the pod. But be sure to stay tuned for our um, – our conversation with SB Nation's JP Acosta. Uh, we had a really great time on there. Um, yeah, so, boy, yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah, we did. <laughs> Glad to have you on, coach. <laughs> anyway, from our friends over here at the Philly Blitz, go get them dollars. I got a dollar. Pop got two dollars. Yeah, got three dollars. And coach got four. As he, as he. Coach got four as he ferociously shakes his head. No. Yeah, right. <laughs> I got a kid, man. I ain't got no four dollars, man. <laughs> Y'all don't want kid, Coach Kid to go to college. Come get them dollars now. Go to any iTunes store. Tap in with the pod. <laughs> it'll, be a ten, it'll be a ten dollar total. It's not five hundred k, but it's just worth it. No burst. Go birds. Go birds.
he hit him again. Like, oh, you didn't feel that one? Watch this. He's still just like, are we going to call this? Like in an anime where like the side character goes up and punches the main bad guy and it just doesn't phase him. Right. They walk away and their arm is like. got Krillin over here punching Cell in the face. Cell is like. As Yamcha getting blown up by a Cyberman. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, welcome everybody to Philly Blitz Pod live stream today. We got an Eagles Giants preview. I'm Parth. We got Pierre and Quell, as well as an extremely special guest. We got JP Acosta on today. How are you guys all doing today? I'm doing good, man. Doing good, man. Excited for this weekend, man. It is I, the one and only Mark Foyles, and I am feeling awesome. I'm excited to have our guest on. It honestly gives me a chance to say this on a live stream because I've been saying it all week on Twitter. I said it all off season. Shout out my boy Aaron. I don't know if y'all know my man Aaron from Jags Nation, but he lived out there. Hey, it was always the Jags. It was always Doug Peterson, baby. Let's go. You love to see it. You love to see it. I'm doing great. This is this is awesome. I mean, it feels like the Jaguars and the Eagles, like, even though, like, they played earlier in the season. So we lost you there for a second. What were you saying? We're talking about the Eagles and the uh, the Jags could possibly meet again? Shoot, I hope so. You're getting that? I, All right. I hope so. I'm not, I'm not making any predictions about the Chiefs-Jaguars game, but <laughs> I will say I'm never going to count this Jaguars team out. I, I've learned my lesson. I've been I've been down this road. It was 27-0. I was in that stadium, fell to my knees in the Bud Light fan zone <laughs> on the uh, on the muff punt. I was just sitting there. Just, I was sad. Everybody was sad, but nobody left. And then the comeback started. And I'm just like, look, man, I'm I'm here for the ride. We've already had one of the greatest comebacks in playoff history. Anything else from here on out is house money. We're playing with house money for the rest of the season. Absolutely. And that's the best feeling. And and especially with a coach like Doug, Doug takes house money and he runs like he's he's the type of dude who thrives off of off of moments like this. And like so I, we were talking about it earlier, but, you know, I got I got family that are Jags fans and like you, they were a little bit disappointed when JP didn't end up or not JP Byron didn't end up coming to to Jacksonville. Um, but I told them, I was like, look, man, Doug is going to come and change things like you're going to like by the end of the season you're going to be willing to take a bullet for Doug. Like uh, any Eagles fan still would. And I'm sure any Jags would, would Jags fan would at this point. Like he, he just has this way of, of connecting and it's, and it's really just amazing. Yeah. I need the statue of Doug Peterson built immediately. I, I want that outside of TIA bank field this instant. I'll go build it. Honestly, like let's, let's make this thing now. I mean, going from the worst team in the league to now you're in the divisional round of the playoffs and with one of the youngest teams in the league, that's really coaching you it's so important to have an adult in the room oh man well shout out to my guy rico i see him tapped in into the chat (laughs) my guess it makes it sad because he he's actually a chargers fan and it 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 makes me ask jp walk me through this whole thing because you you see the video of the fan on twitter who you see your team up 27 to zero fall asleep and you wake up at the end of the game and you watch your team losing. Like you, 
Oh man, I can't imagine. I, I just could not imagine that feeling, man. Take me through it, JP. How, what is it like watching that in real time as a Jags fan? So, as I've said before, I was at this game. This was the first game I've ever been to, like in person for a Jags game. And I had stated before this entire season, I felt like I was a hex on this Jaguars team because every time I watched, they would lose. The last game I watched, like on TV, was when they got smoked by Detroit. So I was like, I'm not going to watch, but. They had a home playoff game. This is going to be – I don't get these chances very often. I'm going to go to this game. So I went to the game. I'm sitting there, and I could tell, like, after the first interception, my phone started blowing up with, JP, get out your seat. JP, move. JP, get away. <laughs> JP, get move now. And I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it. I get up and leave. I'm sitting in the concourse. I'm sitting in the Bud Light party zone and just – the worst stuff happens. Like, it's not just normal interceptions. These are wacky interceptions. They're tip drills. One was a really good design by Brandon Staley. One was, like, this should have been pass interference. We had a muff punt that went off a player's head, and it just felt like this game was going to be a same old Jags thing. But then the second half came around. They scored going into halftime, and I'm like, okay, 27-7, that's not bad. They scored an open half, the second half, and we're like, okay, we're going to win this game. Like, I think there was a general belief in that stadium, Jags fans, once the Jaguars scored and made it 27 to 14, that game was over. And you could tell, like, I think the Chargers low-key kind of quit. Like, after the missed field goal by Badgley that made it, that kept it at 30 to 20, the Chargers quit. And you could tell, like, I said it on Twitter, but nobody breaks the souls of opposing teams like the Jaguars. Joey Bosa lost his mind. Like, just lost every single part of his mind after the Christian Kirk touchdown. And we normally don't see that from Joey Bosa. Like the Jet, it's something about the Jaguars beating your team that just makes you like lose your mind. Um, there was a Titans player, the first time they beat the Titans, dude cried in the post game. He was crying real tears because the Jaguars smoked them. And it wasn't even like super bad. They The Jaguars won like 36-22. It was a hand, it was a decisive victory, but it wasn't like a blowout. He was crying. Like Lamar Jackson went on the Twitter and like was calling people dumbass. <laughs> That's a hell of a place to lag out. Lamar calling people dumbass. Well, <laughs> I just can't imagine, man. Like, just think about some of the games that we had the chance to watch, guys. Like, imagine, think about that, that, that. What was it, Carolina? No, it was the Titans. It was the Titans or Carolina. I know we blew a lead in both of those games, man, where it was the team had a massive lead heading to the second half, and then you looked up at the end of the game like, well, what the hell is this? Like, how do we end up here? Like, it's, it's pretty unfathomable, man. So to see your team up by 27 points, it's like, we got this game won, right? Like, you, you – People, heads have to roll. That's the only way I looked at it. Heads have to roll. People have to get fired. Apparently, they said they're going to bring back Brandon Staley. I mean, Joe Lombardi's gone, thankfully. But we'll see how that goes. But it kind of – this conversation in itself kind of leads me into one of the questions in general I had for you, JP. So – a lot has been made of the steps that Jalen Hurts and Daniel Jones were able to take take this season in terms of their development. I think, and much of that is due in part to coaching. Hurts having the opportunity to work in the same offense for the first time since high school, 
than Daniel Jones having the ability to work with a guy like Brian Dabble who can essentially eliminate what you're not good at from the offense. You see, I always said that he he essentially eliminated the intermediate game from Dan, from Josh Allen in Buffalo, which allowed him to exceed, take shots down the field, take short shots until you were able, you were ready to take the intermediate shots. Now here in New York, you see he tries not to take shots down the field at all. They they take they take what you're gonna give them. Literal definition of that. I think Daniel Jones was like the last ranked last in the league in terms of uh, deep shots down the field. So, but. I mean, what is it? Uh, we we recently had a, a conversation on the pod. I think it was a week or two ago, where the guys said they feel that it takes a well, they they really, they feel really highly about having an offensive minded head coach in terms of the development of a, a quarterback versus a situation like you see what's going on in New York. They hire Robert Sala, solid defense, but Zach Wilson just doesn't seem to pan out. Do you feel like, well, how do you feel is the best part to go about developing a young quarterback in the early stages of his career? So I think it revolves around three things, protection, play callers, and playmaking. I think you need to have those three things if you're going to bring in a young quarterback and ask him to develop while starting immediately. When you look at the Giants and look at Daniel Jones' career, the protection hasn't been there. The, the playmakers still aren't there. But the play calling has changed. The play caller has changed. And one thing that Brian Dayball is leaning into with Daniel Jones as the quarterback is just lean into the run game. If, you're, if your receivers aren't that great, I mean, Isaiah Hodgins is their leader receiver, and they picked them up on waivers in, like, November. If their receivers aren't that good, lean on Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones' ability to trick defenders into thinking he's not athletic <laughs> and just make that work. Their offensive line, while it still has some issues in pass protection, they're pretty good at run blocking. Andrew Thomas has been one of the best left tackles in the league this year. Evan Neal has been up and down, but he's good as a run blocker. And they know what they're doing in the run game. So I think when it comes to the Giants, a, play, a good play caller and having an adult in the room that knows what he's doing and knows how to maximize talent is so important. When it comes to the Eagles, I think Jalen, I think Nick Sirianni has been a good play caller. I think even when the for even when Jalen Hurts first started last year. I think Shane Steichen has been very good. I think Nick Sirianni, like I said, been a great play caller. What he did last year in terms of adjusting this offense for Jalen Hurts was great. Got him into the playoffs. What they needed was the playmakers. And so you go out and get A.J. Brown. That's that's the best thing that could have happened to Jalen Hurts because it gave him someone to be like, okay, if you're going to play one-on-one, I'm just going to throw it to this guy and he's going to win. And it's helped his development so much to the point where it's not only taking shots to A.J. Brown. It's Devontae Smith. It's Dallas Goddard over the middle. He he normally did not take those passes over the middle. In 2020, he was an exclusive right hand to the right side, short area of the field. That was the only place where he would throw it. He would only throw it outside the numbers. It was, a, it was like a college offense. But now it's more evenly distributed. It's over the middle some more. It's been really fun just watching his development in the grand scheme of knowing if you get a young quarterback and have a good environment around him, this is what can happen. So you you kind of, we're kind of talking about this, and I'm not sure if you alluded to it or not, or if I'm just kind of reading into it. But you know, 
after after Vaughn and uh, Micah had their you know little podcast and there uh, M- Micah went on and said you know is it Jalen Hurts or is it the system you know I think for a lot of Eagles fans it's been proven to be Jalen Hurts now because of you know I mean Cowboys game was fine but the Saints game was a mess and uh, and I think a lot of people realize okay like a lot of what we do only works because of of Jalen but in your opinion like. Is it is it, what 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 has mattered more? You know, is it is it just like the perfect combination of everything, or you know, is is having a quarterback like Jalen what makes this system? So I'll say this: having the best offensive line of football definitely helps. Having the talent that they have at the skill positions definitely helps. But this offense is centered around Jalen Hurts' strengths, and we saw that, of course, when Gardner Minshew came into the game. Like I think people took that Cowboys game very like out of perspective. Because that was the first game Gardner played, like, at all. So Cowboys really didn't know how to game plan. But then you go see them play against the Saints. And the biggest thing that Jalen Hurts adds to the Eagles is his value as a runner. This team is maximized when Jalen Hurts is 100% because now you have to bring a guy up into the box to account for the extra defend, extra man in the run game. So now you have an extra guy in the box. That means you're leaving your corners one-on-one with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Okay, so maybe you don't want to do that. You want to stay in a too-high system, avoid the explosive passes. They'll just beat you over the head in the run game, and Jalen Hurts will run for 100 yards. I think by EPA, he is the most valuable rusher in the red zone this year, and that's over guys like Josh Jacobs and Derrick Henry because he is so valuable in those areas. He can generate first downs off those runs. And combine that with his development as a passer – He is a very legitimate candidate for MVP. I know there was a lot of, oh, is it the system or is it Jalen? The system is great, but it's maximized by what Jalen can do. If that, if that makes sense, like it's kind of like he's a force multiplier, like sure. The offense works great at like one time, one time speed, but when Jalen is in and when Jalen is hundred percent, that gets boosted to at least five times the speed it's, it works so much better when he's 100% and when he's playing to his potential. Yeah, I, I think we all really agree. I mean, that's what we've been saying. And I think what you said, like, succinctly put, is really just, like, they have to put – they have to account for Jalen by putting an extra man in the box. And that's helping your matchups on the outside. And that's not something that any other quarterback can bring. You can run the same system, run the same routes, have the same option plays. But if they don't respect him as a runner, then, I mean, you're, you're kind of hosed there, you know. And – uh, another thing that I just kind of wanted to mention is also just Jalen's understanding of the game is so important as well. I mean, or two weeks, three weeks now, like, you know, I guess, I'm not sure, whatever, but the Giants game, right? Um, Gardner, or sorry, the Saints game, I'm sorry. The Saints game, Gardner throws the pick six, right? And, and, and it ends the game and it's so deflating. And everyone got on AJ because AJ was like, oh, I tried to, I tried to call it the route. Now, AJ could have run a little bit better of a route, you know, even though Marshawn called out that it was a slant. Like just run through your route, you know, you don't need to like kind of take it, but Gardner didn't realize, you know, these are the things that Jalen hurts in his second year in the system. It's Gardner Minshew's second year in the system as well, but Jalen hurts has taken that next progression in his head as well. And that next step in the progression in which, you know, he sees things, uh, the touchdown last time, uh, or the last time, uh, the first time the giants and the Eagles played, it was, uh, fourth and one. Was it, was it fourth and one or third and one where he checks at the line, and tells Devontae to run a slot fade. I, I mean, think that's that was fourth and one. That was fourth it was fourth and one, right? And it's just like 
these are not things that every quarterback can do. These are things that Jalen Hurts is bringing to the team. And he calls that, and all of a sudden we have an amazing touchdown. So um, I think I, I, I agree with everything you said, and I think it should. I think the debate should finally be put to rest. But you know, knowing the media and the national media, I, I, I doubt it will. Right? It's it's too yeah, fun. He is a, a very real MVP candidate. I think that should be taken one hundred percent seriously. Yeah. And so um, the Eagles, you know, like we've talked about, they do have a game this week against the Giants division around the playoffs. Right. They're at home. Um, So just continuing the trend on uh, the topic of Jalen, how do you think Jalen can take what he experienced in the playoffs last year against Tampa Bay and sort of apply that to this year? So I think the one thing that has carried over for Jalen Hurts from last year into this year is how he's managed the blitz. I think. When he's not blitzed this year, he's sixth in total EPA. When he's blitzed, he drops to 23rd. That was something Tampa did in the playoff game where they just blitzed him. They forced him into making throws that he wasn't comfortable with, and he couldn't do it. So this year, teams have started to blitz him a little bit more. When you think about the games where Jalen Hurts has struggled, it has been against teams that have blitzed him a lot more often. It's been teams that have been able to get pressure on Jalen Hurts. So it comes down to what he can do at the line of scrimmage. Is he going to make the checks to kind of get into a different play, get into a different protection? Or if it comes down to it and he's got the first hot guy, so they have like six guys in the line of scrimmage, he's hot off the first guy on the edge if he blitzes, is does he see that hot that guy who's coming in and he throws the hot route? Is it going to be something like that? Or can he just beat them with his legs? Mm-hmm. I think it's something he's still continuing to learn. And that's something that Wink Martindale is going to do. The Giants had the highest blitz rate in the NFL. They didn't blitz a lot against the Vikings, but you know Wink Martindale cannot go more than two games without emotionally blitzing. That is what he does. So he's going to blitz. He's going to blitz often. Can the Eagles, can Jalen Hurts make them pay when he blitzes? That is one of the, that's what the best quarterbacks in the league can do. When a defensive coordinator blitzes a lot, blitzes a team a lot, That is basically saying we don't respect your quarterback. We're going to make him make throws that we don't think he can make. That's why you don't see guys like Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen blitzed a lot. Jalen. Man, that was pretty exciting. It's like he was in the group message with us or something. I'm like, I'm literally reading your question as he's talking. Exactly. Exactly. I don't know. Hey bro, can you go back like 30 seconds? We we got we got cut out again. Yeah, so I was talking about Wink Martindale emotionally blitzing. Mm-hmm. That, is, that is a very real thing. He is first the NFL in blitz rate. He is going to blitz. And that's something that's always going to happen. He didn't do it against the Vikings because Justin Jefferson is absurd. And when you blitz the Vikings, Justin Jefferson was absurd. But for the Eagles to win, they're going to have to be able to adjust to those blitzes, adjust to those things that Wink Martindale is going to throw at them because he's going to blitz. I think this season, the teams that have pressured Jalen Hurts the most, the Giants are have both of the top like 10. So he, him being able to adjust to the blitz, adjust to pressure, is going to ultimately decide this game for the Eagles offense. So, so quick question for you right here. Sorry, Quinn. Uh Do you want to go first or should I? No, go for it. All right. So, you know, I, I agree. Like, you know, you're, you're totally right about, you know, Wink being at the top of every metric in terms of blitzing. But last week was anomaly. Right. I mean, they they ran they, they, they ran zone on like 46 percent of 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 their of their uh, coverage snaps. And I mean, 
that's not wink right like i mean he he is a man blitz type of guy so who do you think we're gonna see right like i mean he has blitzed jalen in the past but are we seeing like a legitimate shift in how wink martindale approaches the game or was that more like something for the last game and and we're gonna we're gonna see more of traditional wink this game That lagged crazy. Yeah, I think it lagged out of Facts. Yeah, Rico, he's definitely on it to eight. My boy knows ball, man. That's why we got him on. Okay. Sorry. Uh, internet's kind of going out. Like I said, mom's doing some uh, doing uh, some work for her job. So I think I'd I don't think this is going to be a philosophical shift from Week Martindale. I really don't. I, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And <laughs> Martindale has, this season has shown that he is not going to learn the new tricks. I think the reason for that game plan being so zone heavy, so not without blitzing, not blitzing as often. Because the Giants don't have any people to play cornerback. For sure. <laughs> Adori didn't play bad last game. Adori played pretty yeah. well. Yeah, but it's easy to play well when you drop on eight guys in the coverage. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Bro, yeah. Eight, they were dropping eight into coverage. That is wild. Sorry, JP. We got you back now. Yeah, so Wink Martindale is not going to change what he does. I think that was gameplay was specific because the Vikings, honestly, are Justin Jefferson and the other receivers. If you play zone coverage, keep guys over Justin Jefferson, force other guys to win, that's what you can do. But when you blitz, you're leaving your corners one-on-one with Justin Jefferson. That's not a very smart idea. I think with the Eagles and with Jalen Hurts, like I said, the game plan right now for opposing defense is to blitz them. They've, they haven't been very good with managing pressure um, when it comes to the offense this season. So I think Wink's going to go right back to traditional Wink. This is going to be a this is going to be a Ravens, like Wink Martindale Ravens kind of game. He's going to blitz them a lot. It's, that's, it's, it's really funny that you say that, man. And I don't know if you saw us all chuckling while you was talking about why you went on your soapbox initially. It's because I literally said in the group chat probably a few days ago, I really was I, I, I mean, of course, we all follow you on Twitter. We all follow you and see all the good knowledge that you give out to the world. But the one thing that I noticed about you and with your rants on, on Twitter is how big you are on emotionally blitzing. I see you I see you speak on that a whole lot. And it just, it chuckled all of us because literally the question that I had set aside for you was just talking about much like you laid out again. They didn't blitz the Vikings, clearly, because I think they don't have the dogs to do that against the Vikings. They At a cornerback, you, you just don't have the you, – you could try, but good luck, Chuck. And in this instance, you how you say you think they will blitz the Eagles, you think it's going to go be a throwback to a, a bit of his Ravens days. It's, it's really interesting because I know last time – well, not last time, in week 14 at least – when they were they blitz hurts ultimately hurts had hurt them for seven rushing attempts 77 yards and just killed them 
it, it would is what it felt like. And then when I think another game where I think about it with the blitz being really heavy, like when you said that the, all the games that the Eagles got blitzed in, at least the highest ones, the one the next game that came to my head was the Bears game, and it th- made me think about that 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 check that he made in the red zone where the bl- the Bears sent the pressure, and he was like, okay, I'll just quarterback draw right in front of you, where. It, it seems like blitzing him, while last year it was definitely efficient for the Buccaneers, and early on in the year it, it may have paid off a little. It, it seems seemingly hasn't been very efficient for many folks as of late. So I want I just wanted to know what got you to this point of thinking that Wink might get back to his emotional blitzing. Mainly because I think Wink is not going to change. <laughs> that is something Wink is always going to do. I think it because it worked for them kind a little bit last game where you took away kind of those explosive passes when they when they blitzed I think he's going to be more willing to let Jalen Hurts scramble if they blitz rather than hit them over the head with a 30-yard A.J. Brown touchdown so it's going to be interesting to see him kind of if they do decide to blitz heavy if it's going to be a Dory Jackson being isolated in man coverage against A.J. Brown Who's going to be guarding Devontae Smith? Because, again, that is one of the problems when you play the Eagles. It's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you decide to blitz and they hit and they beat you and you don't get home, somebody's going to get open. (laughs) And it's going to be more often than not that somebody's going to get open. I think about when they played the Bears and the Bears blitzed, A.J. Brown caught like a 55-yard pass. And it's just like, hey, if you don't get home, that's that's what's going to happen. But I think – his efficiency and him getting better against the blitz and finding more answers really is the biggest thing is a good example of self-scouting and development. It's knowing what you are, knowing what you aren't and knowing what teams are going to show you. So as you see in more, you're like, Oh, okay. Teams are going to like to bring, for example, pressure off of the left side, force him to his right or something. If you now see that multiple times, you're like, okay, I've seen this look before. I know what's about to happen. I know where the check is because I've seen it before. So it's just it's just a great example of self-scouting and development by the Eagles, which they've done a fantastic job of all season. So you kind of said something along the lines that was pretty, I guess I can call it interesting. But when you were speaking earlier, you when you were speaking in terms of exactly how to mold a young quarterback. I, we wonder exactly how much of that do you see going on in Jacksonville with Doug Peterson? And, I mean, just us as Eagles fans having a chance to watch Doug for multitude of years, Doug giving us our first Super Bowl. Can you see I – mean, I know us, if we can give some parallels, I know – we probably say both head coaches are, are really big players. Coaches love to do what the players have in mind. Can you give us some a, a insight, I guess for lack of a better term, of what you see of Doug and his, his working with Trevor Lawrence? Yeah, so I can give the biggest example just of the year one and year two difference. Year one, they're playing the Titans. Re- rookie season, Urban Meyer still coaching. on a, I think it was like a third and nine or something. And the Jaguars have a route concept where both receivers run into each other. <laughs> Like they take the, both of the, they take both guys out of the play, and Trevor Lawrence's only read is to that side. There is nothing built in on the other side for him to go to, 
So he sees both these guys run into each other and fall down. Rashawn Evans is pointing at him, laughing during the play. And it's just kind of sitting there like there's no answer built in. There's nothing here. That hurt. Players running into each other is never fun. <clears throat> never fun. I, I told y'all a few weeks back about how I felt about Nomdi. Uh, not Nomdi. It was, I believe it was Nomdi. It was Nomdi and uh, Kurt Coleman that ran into each other as Victor Cruz scored that touchdown, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was. Yeah, but the biggest difference has been just giving Trevor Lawrence answers. So if one side is covered fully, it's okay, we have a man beater over here or a man coverage beater on this side. If there's zone coverage, we have a zone coverage beater on the other side. It's just giving him options. That's something a good play caller does. It's, like I said, play calling, playmakers, and protection. First year, Trevor Lawrence did not have any of that. Like I said, receivers were running into each other. There was no protection very well. So in the offseason, you go get Doug Peterson, who knows how to run an NFL offense. You go and get Christian Kirk, who might not be the best receiver in the league, but he knows how to get open. He knows how to create separation. You saw it in the Chargers game. When they needed some big catches on that last drive, they went to Christian Kirk. You go and get Zay Jones. Caught a touchdown pass. You go and get that type of guy. You go get Brandon Scherf, who has been an all-pro caliber right guard this season. That helps your protection. And then you start to see what everybody saw last season, even though the Jaguars were very bad. You saw Trevor Lawrence could be a good quarterback in this league. And so you're starting to see that now with better results because the stuff around him is better. So Mm -hmm. it really is I cannot stress enough how important it is to have quarterbacks in a good environment, having them around good people. Like it's, it's like, it's the biggest thing to to their development because then you actually start to see them grow. Yeah. And then just to put a a bow on this entire thing. So with this game coming up on Saturday night, what's your read on it? it, What's your view? So I think for the Eagles to win, I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to come down to the defense. I think Jonathan Gannon and former Vikings defense coordinator Ed Donatel, they run the same kind of defensive scheme. I think it's very much too high base. They're both from that Vic Fangio world. But the Eagles are more likely to blitz and more likely to play, to play man than the Vikings because the Vikings just don't have the corners to. Mm-hmm. So I am wondering if Jonathan Gannon will play a little bit more man and force Daniel Jones' processing time to be a little higher. Because that's why you go get James Bradbury. That's why you go play, go pay Darius Slay. It's why you have those guys. So you can play man and completely take away Isaiah Hodgins and Richie James and force Daniel Jones to go through progressions and make better reads. I also think what's going to be huge is, and I know it's been a topic among Eagles uh, Twitter for a long time this season, and it is the fronts that they play. Whether it be a four-man front, five-man front, stopping the run out of those fronts, you could tell if you're if they're in a four-man front, you should probably run it. If they're in a five-man front, you should probably throw it. So I do wonder if they vary the fronts kind of like the Vikings did, because you can still get pressure on this team. And then the big thing defensively is Daniel Jones is not a design runner. I think he had 78 yards rushing against the Vikings. 59 of those were scrambles. He's not a he's not a design designer QB run guy. It's not like Justin Fields like running QB power 25 times a game. He's going to see a lane, and Brian Dayball will be like, hey, if you see this lane, go. And he'll be like, okay, if I see this lane and nobody's open, I'm just going to run. So I think for the Eagles defense, it's 
getting pass rush but not losing your rush lane. It's maintaining that integrity because if you don't have the proper rush lanes, Daniel Jones is going to take off. I mean, I'm tired of people like I'm tired of defenses like thinking Daniel Jones can't run, so they just crash on the zone read and then just act stunned. Like this guy's done this before. We have years of film on this. Oh, years of film. Like the Vikings, there was a play where the Vikings mm-hmm. just completely crashed on a zone read, and Daniel Jones kept it and ran for 15 yards. And the defensive end just turns around stunned. I'm like, my guy, we've seen this before. You cannot do this. But I think the Eagles will have a better game plan, mainly because they have the guys in the secondary, so they don't have to play zone all the time. Well, okay, they don't so have one to. question. We got one question for you before you get out of here. It doesn't even have to be long in depth if you don't want it to. It could even be yes or no. I like either or. Does Jonathan Gannon suck? No. Thank Come you. On. Thank he you. Does, he does not suck. I think he has done a fine job as defensive coordinator this year. It's, I mean, losing Jordan Davis is a big, like, that's a massive hole to fill. You can go and sign a Madamika Sue and Linval Joseph. That's not Jordan Davis. Like, they were playing better than Jordan, though. No, they were playing. Dude, the run game, the run defense significantly improved when Linval and and Adamican got there. Jordan Davis, are we going to act like he was playing every snap? Dude, we were talking about he wasn't getting enough snaps. And even when he was out there, we were like, all right, he's doing a good job of stopping the run. But that's about all he's doing. And this is where it comes into the four-man and five-man fronts. Well, we can't stop the run in four-man fronts. It's not a good thing. And it's the the same thing all year. The biggest thing with Jordan Davis, and I understand the not playing a lot of snaps. I get it. But when you have a guy that can turn your opposing offenses first and tens into second and twelves and second and fourteens, get them in negative situations, he does not have to play very much. I don't want you pass rushing the pass. I agree. I agree. No, if he if he can do that, yeah. But the thing is, is he was like he was out there, but people were questioning how good he was. Like, like we're gonna like, or we can talk about it, but people were talking about his lack of production on the field. I think he's gonna be fine. I think he was probably playing through injury for a while. I think he's a young player, but I don't, don't think like losing lo- losing Jordan Davis is why Jonathan Gannon it has these flaws or whatever. I think Jonathan Gannon has flaws because he just stays rigid. He stays rigid in these things. You said he can choose to go man because he has the corners. He doesn't like playing man. He's like he's allergic to it. He he like he he will refuse to do it even when it would work out better. And I get that there's different situational things and, and, and scheming things like this. But my one issue with Gannon has been that the defense is stagnant. And I get that, you know, there's late rotations, and these types of th- and these t- types of things. But you can't always run zone. You have to switch things up. And, and that's where it bugs me. And the games where we go and play man, we're like, oh, my God, we got James Bradbury and Darius Slay. Like, this is so good. And I get you can't do it every game. But, man, like, just sprinkle it in there a little bit. That's, that's all I'm asking for. Like, I don't think yeah, too much yeah, for some horses and some men. We have we got the horses, Quell. Like if you got, got the horses, horses we should what be a doing. lot of people don't take into account is when you play man, there are more than two people on the field. It ain't just I understand that. Quell, we had Avante Maddox. We had Avante Maddox. Man coverage on anybody. Avante no. Maddox can play man coverage, and now you got CJGJ who can play man coverage in the slot. So you got three corners who are top flight who can play. You got a guy who can play in the slot. You got two guys outside. If we don't see more man, that's messed up. Like we got the guys, and I get it. You can put you can put your safeties in tough positions, but if you got the horses, 
change up the defense a little bit. Show show some show some stagnate. Like you don't want to be stagnant. Like that's what that's what the feeling I've gotten too often. Make the quarterback uncomfortable. We were able to keep rushing lanes, like J- JP said. We had like six sacks on on Jones the first time we played. We're able to do that, yeah. But man, if we are afraid of playing man on on Isaiah Hodgins and uh and 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 incog and is it Richie Incog? No, that was the that was the lineman. Yeah, that was the lineman. What's his name? Uh, Richie James. 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 Richie James. Yeah, I don't you're Richie, bro. It's in my head. That means in my head. Richie Incognito running routes. He was the bully. He was the bully. Richie Incognito running routes would pop me for sure. I'd I'd be stunned. But I do. I definitely think there is some validity to Jonathan Gannon being kind of stagnant. It's what. It's kind of what the Fangio system kind of does. You know, even last year, before he got all the guys that he had, he was very much a play zone, first and second down, third down, play cover one, play man. That's what the, that's what defense coordinators want to do. They want to be able to play cover one on third down because basically our guys are better than your guys. Mm-hmm. I think he's been fine, like, overall. I think there have been some games where his steadfastness and playing quarters kind of hurt him. But this game, you really should sprinkle in a little bit more man coverage. Or, I mean, if you're that scared of Daniel Jones running, I, re- I really don't think – I don't think Daniel Jones' designed run game should scare them. I think it's the Daniel Jones scrambles. And that really didn't hurt them when they played the Eagles the first couple of times. They're, the pass rush is phenomenal. So I feel like they can play a little bit of man – a little bit more man and try and – speed up Daniel Jones' processing, like if he just goes one and done and run, like you got guys, you can get them, you can get the sacks, but it'll be interesting to see how he toggles that man man zone. It should be interesting to see on Saturday. So just before you get out of here, give us a game pick, man. Oh, game pick. I am going with the Eagles. I'm going to say 31-17 is the score. I think – I just think they're going to be able to pull away in the second half. I think the Giants are going to make it a game for the first couple of quarters. It's going to be a little bit scary, but I think they just have too much talent. And when the Eagles really, really want to run the ball and just kill games, they absolutely can. So in the second half, like if they, if they build a lead and then just sit on the Giants for the entire game, I wouldn't be surprised. That matchup between the Giants defensive line, and the Eagles offensive line is going to be huge. Lane Johnson's health is going to be critical to this, but watching Dexter Lawrence go up against the interior of the Eagles offensive line is going to be really fun. Absolutely. Anything else? Sorry, go ahead. Wrap it up. Um, Yeah, man. I just want to say uh, thank you for joining us. Um, And, uh, you know, you can plug your Twitter or your Instagram or, you know, anything that you wanted to plug. Uh, Yeah. Just at Acosta 32 underscore JP. Like Quell said, I talk a lot about emotionally blitzing. And <laughs> don't emotionally blitz. That's really my biggest thing. Don't emotionally blitz. To all you got, all you folks out there watching, don't emotionally blitz. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, man. Thank you so much.